show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Uh, I'm in the studio. Uh, Matt, you're in rainy Western Mass. Is it raining? Yeah, yeah, back on the Zoom. Um, Saturday mornings here in a rainy, rainy Western Mass. Yeah, is your little league season over or not? No, no, we uh, we still have about three, uh, four weeks left. Four weeks wow, left. Good. Um, so. It's going so great. Are you, are you an obnoxious parent standing in the, um, no. the crowd screaming? No, no. I mean, you know, this is, I'm coaching with my kids. You know, they're six and five. They're in the instructional league. And so, you know. Do they it, get off the tee or do they have? No, I, I, I'm on my knee and I'm throwing them, you know, I lob them in there to them. They get about five pitches if they miss. Uh, then we bring out the tee to keep the game moving along. Everybody gets to hit. There are no outs. It's more entertaining for the parents than anything. There are no outs. Everybody runs one base at a time. There's nothing to argue about. It's all fun. And so, um, you know, it's a yeah. good time. But baseball is a tough game to learn, too. Yes, it is. Yes, All it right. Is. So, Joe, talk to us. Joe's um, has a little a tragic tragedy in his life right now. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. And, you know, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be exaggerating at all to say that my dad was the number one fan of the show. I mean, the I would get a text minutes after the show aired every week. And, you know, it, my dad and I, we had when he was a football coach and you guys know this, he was a teacher and a football coach his entire life. And and I say was because he, he passed away um and we're recording this Saturday morning. He died early Friday morning, uh, about f- four in the morning, three thirty in the morning, your time. And it, those of you that listen to the show regularly, you know he, he's been battling Parkinson's for the uh, the last couple of years, but particularly the last few months, he hasn't been in good shape, and he's spent most of that time in the hospital. And he was going to go home with a, 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 a feeding tube in him, and so I, I think his. You know, we're, we're, it's funny. I think all my sisters and I and my mom are all stuck in a combination of we're in the beginning where you're still in denial. And then there's some acceptance because we, it's, it, when someone dies like this sort of slowly and you know it's coming, you go through all those other things while they're still around. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get back last week and, and see him and spend a day with him. So that, I think I would feel a lot differently about it had that not happened. And you guys know this too. I was going to wait until father's day and try and drive out. And so it, when it became clear that he, he was getting worse and I could hear it just in their voices when we talked about him. Um, I, you know, I got on the plane and went out there. So, so I get to do that again next week um, for the funeral. So, so yeah, I'll be recording for my sister's place again on Saturday. So, um, so yeah, um, I, and I think we'll, I, I'll, we'll try and have some, some of his players on and, and some people to talk about him because he's, he's really, there, there are some good stories about my dad from, from way back when. So, um, actually I can tell, tell, tell a quick one now. So about, uh, probably four or five years ago when I was in Texas, one of his old players who, you know, I'm still in touch with a lot of these guys, you know, I was growing up in, in elementary and middle school, going to practices with him and, and, you know, hanging out in locker rooms. And, and so I've got all these friends who are a little older who played for my dad. And one of them came down to Austin. He he works for GM doing shows, car shows around the country. So he was in town. We met for lunch and a couple of drinks and 
at the end of the meal, I you took out some, my card to split the bill. He said, no, 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 you better let me get this. I don't want your dad to make me run laps. And this is a 50-year-old guy, you know, 30 years out of college, still worried that my dad is going to call him and chew him out. So, so thanks for everything, Dad. Uh, running laps. Love it. But, um, yeah, I got a list of other things that I made before my dad died to talk about. So let's um, – Let's move okay. on to this because I don't want now, to. Now, uh, one that I just want to throw up, throw up, <laughs> excuse me, throw out is is a tribute to BC women's lacrosse. They're in their fourth national championship or or the uh, A10 or whatever it is, whatever. Um, but I think it's national championship yeah, um, yeah. final. And uh, they upset uh, uh, undefeated North Carolina. And so it's pretty cool. It's the, you know it's quite a program they have there at Boston College. Do either of you? Um, I I wish I was more into lacrosse, men and women. I mean they're they're almost. I they're don't dark. know the game at all, and it's I think it's a beautiful game. Yeah, it, it was... is at, at the collegiate level. You know how other um, of the major sports they kind of it's the same teams over. Does lacrosse have? I know like in men's lacrosse, there's the Duke. You know they're up there a lot. Um, Syracuse used to be, do they have like dominant teams in women's lacrosse? Do you guys know that? Yeah. Well, I think North Carolina is along with, yeah, some of them are overlapping. There's a lot of schools that are the same. UMass was, was top notch when I was there. They were, you know, top 10, they were a top 10 team. Yeah. I, lacrosse is semi big in New Jersey. There are a handful of schools that play it. So I had a little exposure, but I, I didn't know much about it until I got to UMass and then started doing the games on the radio. And if you're going to do that, you better learn a game really quickly. And we did a lot of lacrosse matches and there were some really good people around that program too. Um, that kind of helped us, you know, it, it, you know, never, never, they always tried to help us along knowing that we were new, but good at what we did. And it was, it didn't take long. It's a pretty simple game. Once you, once you learn the handful of basic rules, but I it's, love a little, it. it's a little rough too. I knew a player and a college player. And you know, when you hold your, when you've got the, the uh, whatever the ball is called in your um, net, you know, again, <laughs> help me out, Joe, on the terminology. Well, I think it's just a stick, ball. right? Yeah, stick it's a ball and a stick. And yeah, a ball yeah. and a stick, right? So people are whacking you with their sticks yeah. on yeah. your on your forearms, and that's really the most kind of painful uh, thing because it happens so much during a game. Yeah, and even and that's where again, like I'd rather watch the women's game because it's less about whacking the other player on the arms it's more about the movement and the passing like it's a cleaner game just like ice hockey if you watch women's ice hockey it's it's a smooth nice. same with basketball basketball, with basketball. Turned, yeah. turned into wrestling but the wnba season has been it's tough to watch both I'll, I'll watch a lot more wnba games when the nba playoffs are over there's just too much right. basketball to watch right, right now right. but um I want to talk about Daryl's favorite subject first. Um, basketball. Uh, we'll, we'll save that. There's plenty of basketball to talk about, but um, Simona Di Silvestro um, qualified for the Indy 500, and the team is owned by and run almost exclusively by women. And it's the first 
first of its kind. There've always been women in racing. You know, there's Danica Patrick was successful in IndyCar. There, Janet Guthrie. Like, there's a history of women in racing, even as drivers. But there's it's just one, and there's one here, and there's one there, and it's the on the teams. It's become especially in Formula One and IndyCar. There are women on every team as engineers and mechanics. And so there, there have been a lot more women at, you know, kind of behind the scenes in racing in the last 20, 30 years, I would say. But this is the first time that there's ever been a team that was owned by and run. I mean, it's like 90% women. So the mechanics, the driver, the backup driver, and, you know, Simona Di Silvestro, she's really accomplished. And it's really hard when you enter one race, no one, none of these teams that come in just for the Indy 500 are ever going to win. So they'll finish near the back of the pack. But just the fact that they got in and they, and they are running is, is an accomplishment. And then when you dig a little deeper into the story, it's a little less inspirational because basically what's happened is Roger Penske, who literally owns the league he owns the 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 organization that administers the IndyCar championship he also owns the Indy 500 speedway he's like the monster in racing this is basically his project he and you know give him all the credit in the world for deciding to do this and taking the steps to do it but again like it w- <laughs> What I'm saying is I guess I would feel better about it if it had sort of happened organically. And this has sort of evolved out of the progress that had been made. But it took the wealthiest, most powerful man in American racing to to kind of force this to happen. So hopefully it's a ball rolling kind of thing. But and it's it's a great story. The more you dig into the I, I love these stories of these teams that just throw a, a car together for the Indy 500. It's, it's cool. I like the scrappy underdog story. And now, do you actually watch it on TV? I have watched probably every Indy 500 live for the last 30 years. So do you have to set a timer to wake you up at the end? So you don't miss it. <laughs> it's Daryl. It's great for uh, us old men to watch. Cause you can sort of doze off and wander away. I mean, it, 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 you're right. Nothing happens for 30 laps at a time, but it, 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 nothing means, you know, they come within inches of those corners at 230 miles oh, an hour. God, it's still it's crazy. It's still horribly exciting, even when it's boring. So it, it's something that my cousin and I watched the, the 1992 Indy 500, which was like the closest in history. It was this epic race. Um, and so that's just sort of got me hooked on this particular race. And it's, it's kind of a spectacle. Like if you're going to watch any race all right. year, this is the one to watch. It's I, an I, American spectacle. Yeah. I, I, and they're going to have, I think a quarter capacity of like 135,000 fans. It, you know, this is a, again, it's one of these runs on the same weekend every year. And last year they delayed it until August and did it without fans. So this is really, it, there's going to be a lot of celebration of just people being back. So, and I mean, it, we joke too about NASCAR being unwatchable on TV. But if you think about it, I mean, is it any different than basketball or baseball, even or or you know, like yeah, hey, if you watch the first, the last quarter of a game, that, that's all you need, you know. Like so, you know, we joke about the NASCAR being boring. I I, I will say I don't watch NASCAR, um, but 
when I, a few years after I graduated, I lived um, with a few of my college buddies and one of them, he races in Connecticut. He was actually on the show, Daryl. I don't know if that was- Right, I remember him, yeah. He, he races um, down in Connecticut. He was a teacher. He's, he's, he's a principal actually. He just got- Yeah, or principal, yeah. Yeah, in uh, Longmeadow. But so he would, he's big into NASCAR. He was on, um, he actually was part of the pit crew for, I'm um, trying to think of who it was, but he traveled all over the world um, for it. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, I mean, there's not, there is Sunday, maybe a little hungover. You know, even the sound, you know, hearing the engine zip through, it is an interesting watch. And if, if you have the bug, if you're into it, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not completely, it's not watching paint dry. I'll say that. Well, I, and I will say of the three, you know, there's the three made, there's NASCAR, which is solely American and is the big stock cars. The quote stock cars are supposed to be the same. They used to actually be built on the shell of like a Ford Taurus or whatever the model was. Now they're yeah. just, they're just, you know, body panels and, and roll cages basically. But so there's NASCAR, which to me is the most boring of the three. Like that's where every, almost every race is an oval and it's just sort mm-hmm. of droning and the, the cars are all sort of restricted. So the, they're all sort of the same. So it's just like a. Is big, that where, like, say, Tom Petty, uh, Richard Petty, right? Richard Petty, I mean, and, D- and Dale uh, Earnhardt. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so, so big in the big in the South, big in the South, and now like getting bigger in out out west in particular. And the, there's lots of uh, New England too, like in New Hampshire and Maine, and Connecticut, then, right? Yeah. And then there's IndyCar, which is what the Indy 500 is part of, which is the open wheel yep. dude in the middle in a cockpit. And now they've got like a protective shell. So there have been some horrific accidents in the last five or six years that, you know, 20 years ago, these guys would be dead. So it's a safer, but that's the, the, you know, 240 mile an hours in the corners and they run a lot more road tracks that have more different curves and hills and stuff. And then, so, but again, that's North American. It's all United States and Canada and the drivers are from all over the world, but the races are run just here. And then there's formula one, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of engineering and driver talent. And there's, you know, 10 teams with, you know, 20 cars that run. And um, that's the one that runs in all these exotic places. And that's like the European kind of the European uh, all over Europe, Africa. Yeah. They race literally every continent that has a racetrack and they, they actually, I was lucky. I thought they raced in the city too. They do. They race on some street tracks where they just convert. That's what Monaco is. Those roads are just regular streets during the year and you can go drive most of them. But those to me are the most fascinating races just because it's really cool to watch watch those cars whip around these you know, yeah. turns with the buildings next to them. But Joe, you left out one big uh, field, um, Demolition Derby. Oh, I, that's well, the, <laughs> see, so talk about the, the three racing series. That's like watching Major League, you know, watching the NBA, right. watching right, Major right, League right, Baseball. Right. But I would just as well go watch a rec league basketball game or a high school game. And so the equiv- racing equivalent of that is – and I don't know if it's as popular as it used to be, but it used to be in every little town you could go on Saturdays and watch dirt track racing and demolition derby is fun. That's so much fun. And have you ever seen figure eight racing? 
This is the coolest thing. If you've never seen this, they race in a figure eight. So there's the, you at full speed. They're trying to avoid each oh. other at the middle of the figure eight. It's awesome. And it's just like, you know, they, again, it's body panels and roll cages. They're not, their cars well, are supposed so to be smashed. There are kind of racing in um, Western mass that are popular because Matt, one kid that went through the Belchertown system is is doing really well on whatever circuit it is, but it's motorsport. He's I I, I know I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. He was the kiddo you had, right? Yeah. First grade, yeah. 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 He uh that he does that's like uh bike racing and motorsport and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, next time next time you go to the, the county fair or the state fair, go check They've out been the closed. Th- They've been closed. Yeah. Well hopefully this hopefully this fall. I mean things are starting yeah. to, to open up out here again. We but, just got word, speaking of, like, you know, things opening back up, um, and Daryl, I'm sure you're aware, here in Massachusetts, uh, Desi has announced that there will be zero COVID restrictions for next school year. There will be no... Oh, wow. No... Things are going really well, um, Joe, in uh, in vaccination in Massachusetts. We're really doing a, a good job. Yeah, same in, in New Jersey and out here. I think it, we've sort of caught up, and, like, both my sister's kids, I think... I think my my niece is still waiting for maybe still waiting for her second shot, but she may have gotten that already. But my, my nephew that was on last week, he he's fully vaccinated. So, you know, now they're getting down to twelve years old, right? And I yeah. wonder, I wonder if even by fall it'll extend to you know elementary school kids. Yeah, no, they're they're experimenting with them. Um, so, uh, Matt, have you volunteered your kids for, to be experimented on? No. <laughs> So actually, uh, about vaccination, though, I'd like to just bring up something, which is um, the Boston Red Sox and also LeBron. LeBron, who is, you know, as we've said many times, is really the most admirable spokesman for issues and just speaks beautifully about him, is ducking this vaccination question which is really, really odd. Like, if you don't want to get one, you could say, I don't want to get one. But it would make, it's sort of like when Trump got his vaccination himself, but he didn't do it where people could see it. He would have made a huge difference if he had done it um, where his followers could see that he got the vaccination while he was in office, while he was saying it wasn't important. It would have been very, very helpful. And the same for LeBron. Um, for him not to really answer the question is kind of odd for him because he usually answers really tough questions. Well, I mean, that's fair. It's saying for him, that's odd. But I mean, I've, I've always felt, I mean, it, it's look, it, it's anybody's choice and, and really. This is different though, like, Matt. I think in a, in a way, if you're a leader and right. it, the importance of vaccination for this particular disease, you can't really overemphasize it. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give him, I'm not going to be too hard on him for right. not shit, because I also do feel like that's sort of the reason, like, that people are dig in. I, I guess maybe, I, I don't know why some people dig in and, and say uh, they're definitely not going to do it or, or whatever, but you know, if you feel like you have to be bribed to do something, or if you feel like you need, oh, LeBron James is the only way I'm going to do it is if LeBron James does it. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's it's bigger than that. So I'm not going to. Yeah, no, I agree. But the thing is. Announcing it. But I do. I mean, do you guys, and we didn't, LeBron James went, he violated the league 
COVID right, yeah. policy by attending some, was it a banquet or it, he attended something. How uh, long ago? At, right after the playing games. So he and should be taking the COVID. He did not get suspended. Wow. So the 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 double standard there for him not getting suspended when he, he clearly violated the league policy. There's speculation that well maybe he is vaccinated and that's the league's way of well he would but he's just not wanting to come out and say that he's vaccinated. Yeah. That's, but the, you know. That's a lot of speculation and assumption, but I mean, the facts are he violated the league's policy, and and he's not missing any time for wow. it. Yeah, that's that's funny. I, and I I assure you, if this was game fourteen, he would have been suspended for a game or two yeah. or three. But you know, it's I'm okay. Let's assume he didn't get the vaccine. I'm okay with him as an individual choosing not to do that. But he's got to know that hundreds of thousands of people are going to do what LeBron did. And if he publicly came out, I, I, like I'm okay with him not getting it, but just keep it to yourself. And I, I'm really pissed if he's speaking publicly as if he didn't, and he actually did get it behind the scenes. Right. Cause that's, that, that's then, and that's exactly what Trump did too. Um, well, but listen, wow. Wow. That's that's a first comparing LeBron to Trump. Only and I don't mean it in any serious way. Um, but the thing is, so Matt, I just sort of disagree with you. I think that the um, uh, the prizes for getting vaccination are awesome. Dewine, what he's doing in, in uh, Ohio, uh, you know, he's a Republican governor and he's he's has a weekly drawing for a million dollars. So we shouldn't have to do that, my God. No, 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 no. But I mean, it's, but I disagree in the sense that if it helps, go for it. But see, that I guess that, and I go back to this whole debacle. It was so mishandled. And, and at, I don't, I just, to me, it, it, it almost takes the seriousness away from it. If you have, oh, maybe I can win a million bucks. Sure. Let me try it. Like, it, it shouldn't be a gimmick. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But well, I, I don't want to share a society with someone that only decides to only get the vaccine because they might win a prize. That's that. Well, I'm wait more a minute. You'd rather be that. sitting with a non-vaccinated person who's pretending they're vaccinated. I guess. I guess. I guess for me, a disease vector cloud is better than a hypocrite. I don't know. No, Which, I, by, but the other thing is, is that the importance if we could actually achieve herd immunity? That's why I'm fine with whatever it takes to get people going. But let's let's hold that argument a minute because I think what Major League Baseball is doing, and the reason I brought up the Red Sox. Well, hold on, is, hold on, hold on. Just before we, because I, there's more. Like, not to cut you off, Daryl, but to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we think about why, and, and maybe I'm totally out of line in saying in saying this because I'm in no way a historian or, but there's distrust in the black community with government issuing sure right um, um, vaccines. There, there's a reason for that, and and right the Tuskegee so, again, like yeah. if. That's one of the like I'm not gonna knock LeBron James totally. I mean, again, I I do think adults you should be getting vaccinated for this. 
The studies are there. It is experimental, but that in time it won't be. Um, you know, but I, it's I just, clearly I like working. Time. But you know, I, I get what you're saying. But the thing is, with LeBron, it's just it's confusing for me because he's so eloquent on everything else, and I, I, I just. That. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just, it, it's a thing. But can I talk about the Red Sox and baseball, what they're doing? If you want. Because so, it's sort of related, it's related to the um, perks. So what base, baseball has 17 teams already 85% uh, vaccinated, three that are going to be this week. So they're going to have 20 out of their 30 teams vaccinated. And what they do, and one of them is not the Red Sox, and what, what they do is they give, and this is the incentive, they give um, like the, you don't have to wear a mask in the, um, in the dugout if you're a vaccinated team. You get to play cards. You get to have, you know, uh, eat dinner together afterwards. They're giving them lots of perks that a team that's not fully vaccinated is not going to get. And I like that. I don't see that as perks. I see that as lifting restrictions. Yeah, I see that as back to normal. Like that's right, but I mean it's a it's a perk because yeah, I mean, the Red Sox don't have it. You know, the yeah, other the non-vaccinated teams don't have it. They have to still follow those guidelines. Like I see, I don't see that as a. I guess I mean it's it, an incentive. It's an incentive. I think. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't even even when it comes to like schooling and education, I, I'm not a fan of extrinsic rewards. I think you know it, people. And I'm kind I agree of like, on teaching with that one. Yeah. Intrinsically, we should want to be able to do certain things. We should want to carry our way our, ourselves in a certain way. And um, whenever you add in these outside extrinsic rewards, you're not changing behavior. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's it's fake. It's it's a facade. It's you know. It, it just. I don't know. But Ken, I'm not a behavioral scientist by any means, but I wonder if like, is that like, yeah, I, and not to compare humans to rats so specifically, but you can train a rat to, to move their brain in a certain direction. I wonder if, if by doing that, you can actually train a brain to be more empathetic. I, I don't know. I don't know if it works that way. I doubt it. <laughs> Knowing humans like I know humans. I'm no, I, I am not a, I don't have my BCBA. I'm not a behavior therapist or anything like that. But I, I, I mean, and Daryl, you can attest to this. I'm pretty good when it comes to at least in an educational setting, dealing with student behavior and things like that. And anytime yeah. you throw in a reward, it's not so much stopping somebody from acting out in class. It's teaching them to, all right, let me be good for a few minutes so I can get this sticker on my chart kind of thing you know it's it, so no, i i detest that and i i get you guys point but i'm just saying for me this is a different situation yeah. this is a situation in which if you look at what has happened since vaccines have become prevalent is every day the number of cases and the number of deaths go down every single day without exception that, and that's that, really a great goal matt isn't that how the world works though you do a little bit of work, you get a little bit of reward. That's that's how that's how we function yeah. as adults. Yeah, no, no, no. It, but you, if you're not internally motivated, if you're not intrinsically motivated to do something, eventually you're going to. It's it just how, it, and that is how we are as people too. I mean, given an given an opportunity to do less work, what are we going to do? 
do less work unless you're intrinsically motivated to reach a certain goal that requires you to do <laughs> right but th those are th those to me are kind of are two different parts of of the of the person like the person that is utilitarian enough to do the work that gives them reward whether it's you know doing a, a measured amount of work for just enough to get by or doing as much as they are capable of to be as prosperous as they can. I feel like that's separate from the intrinsic part, the I want to work hard for the sake of working hard or because my dad showed me that every day of my life, you know, like those are, I, I feel like those are two entirely different things and you can have one without the other. You can have both. You can have neither. I've met people of all those, all those types. Hey, so can we have the Homer part of the show? Do I get a chance to be be my normal Homer and talk about the Celtics? Come on, man. Oh, I'd love to talk about the Celtics and how overrated Jason Tatum is and how oh, he does. Would you give me a break? Would what? you give me a break? Okay, first let me give you some reality, and then you can add your little fantasy world about Tatum. <laughs> um, so Tatum, who, by the way, is 23 years old and has scored 50 points in the four or five times in the last 40 games. Um, but the thing is, the main thing is it wasn't just Tatum, but so um, the, the Nets who look like the, the, they should make it to the finals and are just an incredible combination of talent. However, it turns out they have a little Achilles tendon. They don't have a center. And I don't know why they're not playing that DeAndre Jordan because he used to be a great defensive player but I guess he's lost it or something because he's just sitting on the bench and the Celtics Tristan Thompson just dominated yeah. he had 13 boards six or seven offensive boards and he made huge plays which turned the game around um the guy that they got in the trade of uh, uh Fournier uh, Fournier yeah. was terrific. Marcus Smart, oh my God, made some incredible plays. So and and Kemba had a not a he's he's off, but he also he did some important stuff. So it was a real team game. But um, the the fifty points that Tatum scored were not phony. They're the reason they won the game. It was at the end they had a um it, it, the. Nets started off 19 to four with a lead. And after that, the Celtics just killed them. They were up by halftime. And when it got close with just a, a minute or two to go, Tatum hit a clutch shot. So I don't know why you, you've got, he's not Tom Brady. So, um, <laughs> I, okay. So here's, here are my objections to Jason Tatum. I, he, I feel like he doesn't make anybody else on his team better. Seven assists last night. Yeah. Great. But does he like? I don't feel plus, like plus I don't feel like there's any, on the court, whatever it is. You know what I mean. So he's the what? team plays better when he's out there. Plays worse when he sits he's, down. But he, he's ball dominant. He doesn't. I, you know, I don't. I again. Have you I watched him like, recently? Have you watched him? Yeah, yeah. I've seen him play maybe a dozen times this year. I watched the, all three of the Nets games. The, so you're, I, you're right. You're right about what you're saying. But I'm telling you, it's past history. He is a much he because he gets double teamed all the time. He gives it up. That's why the other Celtics had good games because he gave it up. But again, right I don't, I don't feel like there's anybody on that roster that's elevated because they're playing with Jason Tatum. And this is something, again, I see in Portland where every player on that team seems to be an overachiever because they're with Lillard, who is one of the five best in the league. So 
I, I don't see what Matt used to love to say about James Harden that he'll never I, be I was gonna <laughs> he'll, he'll never be the best player on a championship team. He can be your he number two. Great. Be- I, I never thought I would say this, but he is great. Harden is great. All right, let me be let me be the middle guy because I, I get Joe's point and I, I agree. I don't and, and I'm the lead them of us the three of us, I'm the worst person to be talking to NBA because I've watched the least amount of it. But I do agree. Tatum it doesn't the taking the eye test, he's not making that team better. But 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 Daryl, making the team better and helping the team win are two different things. He doesn't elevate anyone else on that roster. When when did Dame Lillard start to do that for Portland? Two years ago? Two years ago, probably, yeah. Okay, so good fair fair point. So that that's where I'll go. I, I think Tatum I, I agree with there. I think Tatum has the talent there, but I agree with Joe. I don't think he necessarily is that elite level. I don't right. think that no, I, I, I agree that level yet. Right. We'll get there. I think we'll see. I'll say that as an avid, I, I love, I go ahead. I make a few. As an avid watcher, I agree with the criticism you're giving Tatum, both of you, but I'm telling you that was two months ago. He really has this year. He's really grown and he really plays. Um, he's the team. I mean, I think in, in basketball, the most important statistic is how well the team does when you're playing and how well it does when you're on the bench and the team does much, much better when he's on the floor, much, much better. So, and, and the current team without Jalen Brown wouldn't be winning anything. And Thompson, Thompson had a great game because Tatum drove to the hoop and Fournier drove to the hoop. They put the ball up and Thompson was able to crash. You know, and, you know, you know who he reminds me of is Alan Houston, empty calories, great numbers, Empty won't doesn't doesn't not just again not a not going to be the best player on a championship team. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Prove me wrong, Jason Tatum. So here's my question, Daryl. Knowing that they're relatively successful without um, without Jalen Brown, do you trade him for DeAndre? No, No, I don't know. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. There, if you you can get anyone, you can get DeAndre Ayton for him, one for one at this point. And I think the overlap, if you're going to keep Tatum and Brown, the overlap between their games is is too much. I think you're going to need if you your second your second great player is going to have to be a different player. I think well, that's, that's that's legitimate. Part of what's, that's part yeah, of what's the thing is they, they really holding. played together better this year. They improved in their cooperation. Well, I mean, that's part of what's holding the Blazers back. I mean, McCollum and Lillard play great together, and they've evolved. Hey, this is their eighth season together, I think. Maybe their ninth. And they, the, their game together is brilliant, but I feel like they'd be better served if their second best player was at the other end of the floor. Yeah, good yeah. point. That but, makes let sense. Me, let me say, I want to say one thing about for the Celtics, and then if I could tell a quick NBA sports story. I'll, I'll be quick, though. I, I am glad the Celtics won. I'm rooting for the Celtics. I would love to see the Nets go down. And also, how about the Mavericks? Yeah. I know they lost last night, but oh, did? do I really hope the Clippers lose? I'm trying to dodge the yeah. I just I hate yeah. that. I like Kawhi Leonard. I like Kawhi Leonard, but man, 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 do I hope the Clippers lose. Well, teams um, always do seem to get karmically punished for that. And if you don't know what Matt's talking about, they 
tanked the last couple of games of the season because they wanted to avoid having to play the Lakers in the second round. They didn't want to finish third because they didn't want to play the Lakers in the second round. So I, again, I'm with you, Matt. I hate when that happens and I love when teams get punished for it. Yeah. So a, a quick story. Those of you, like those of you who listen, know I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I love playoff sports. So now that the NBA is in their playoff season, I, I have been watching a few um, NBA games and I happened to watch the Knicks um, play the Hawks in game one. What a great, fantastic great series so far. One. Yeah. But, I honestly, and this is why I love sports, and this is why I love this show. The nostalgia that it brought back. I, I, I used growing up in in um, Connecticut. I would love. I would always watch the Knicks, MSG, right, and and that Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell, Charlie Ward, um, Willis Reed, Childs. Oakley, you and like Matt's not old enough for Willis Reed. I'm barely old enough. For Willis yeah, Reed. but but the Knicks talk about him all the time. But but so like I, I used to I used to watch the Knicks, and and then I going to college. I, I I don't watch the NBA anymore. But watching this NBA game at Madison Square Garden, listening to the fans, seeing the Knicks, that house was rocking. And man, it just brought me back to my childhood, sitting on my bed when I was in high school, rooting for Alan Houston, Latrell Sprewell, like, and and that's the beauty of sports. Absolutely, I, I probably absolutely. went twenty years without really, and I was I'm not invested in the Knicks at all now by any stretch of the imagination, but twenty years since I've sat down and kind of like, yeah, all right, Knicks, let's go. But man, I felt like I was. 17 again and it was just a cool feeling and and you know that's sports that's that's sports and it's great and so let me say that's the way i've been feeling on this game with the celtics last night because the first two games they were just played with you know one of the games the celtics led most of the game and then it was just like okay the Nets said okay let's let's score enough to win this game and they did it so it looked hopeless two to nothing so last night's game was to me the sort of uh, Stevens at his best coaching and they just really played inspired. It was Tatum had a good game, but it was the other parts of the uh, team that played really, really well. But the thing was, there was a nice little crowd. And so they really got on it. They booed Kyrie. But so Sunday, because what you were referring to about Massachusetts opening up Sunday, Boston garden is going to have 17,000 people in it. And when they play the fourth game in the series, so it's going to be an experience that we haven't seen for a long time, a full arena of screaming fans. Now, it's going to be great. I, I haven't been to the new Boston garden. I don't think, but I spent a lot of time in the old one. My sister went to the BC. new one doesn't have um, obstructed view, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, I will say one thing. I mean, I've been to probably a third of the NBA arenas and I don't know, a hundred college arenas, including Cameron indoor and North Carolina and um, obviously Texas and Oklahoma and, you know, Indiana, all these huge programs. Um, There's no in basketball environment that comes anywhere close to Madison square garden when the Knicks are good and there's, There's nothing even close. And we used to go, again, credit my dad. He took us to a lot of Nets and Devils games. And then when he was too busy or, you know, 
we would take the train in and go to Rangers and Knicks games. So, you know, back when you could pay 12 bucks and sit in the, in the upper deck, you know, we went to a lot of those, you know, John Starks, Patrick Ewing, Knicks games. And like I said, there's no place like it that I've seen. Well, that's what, like, you know, as, as a Duke fan, I really appreciate that coach K plays like four or five games in the beginning of the year against top flight uh, competition. And he does it at Madison square garden because he wants his players to get a feel of what big time basketball is. Yeah. And that's about as big time as you can get. And I mean, you know, they, Used to, I don't do they still they play the NIT in in New Jersey now, don't they, or in Brooklyn? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I remember the Big East. I've I've been to a Big East game at yeah. Madison Square Garden because um, they used to play their Big East championship there. Um, well, and I would love to see the arena in Brooklyn become a true rival. Like the most compelling Eastern Conference final is is Knicks Knicks Nets by far. And so yeah. the, Knicks, the Knicks are really impressive. They really are well, they because got, they're playing a good Atlanta team. They and got they, beat pretty it, badly last night. And yeah. And I, I love the whole, oh, so let's, let's, let's we got a, a little bummer to talk about the fan behavior in the yeah. first couple of games of the, of the playoffs. I, I just, I, I love what's been happening. What, what have they done? Trey Young got spit on. Trey Young got spit on. You had the popcorn being thrown at on um, Westbrook. Yeah. Westbrook. Um, and I think there was one other game. And then also they did, I, and I, it might've been Kyrie Irving bringing it up. The, the racism in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. a separate issue. But, um, but on those other two, did the, um, did the, um, fan get kicked out of the arena there are four or five fans that have been banned from these arenas for Good. life now which which Good. again you hear this all the time that a fan does something they get thrown out and they get banned for life it, it, it cannot be that hard for somebody to get a ticket you don't have to show id you don't have to prove who you are to buy a ticket to a basketball game you just go online and buy a ticket so i think you know i if i get banned from madison square garden there's nothing to stop me from having Matt buy two tickets and going in. I don't know. When China takes over the United States and facial recognition, <laughs> you won't be able well, to do I mean, it. Well, well, you know what it is? It's the vaccine chip. That's how they're tracking us. That's how they're tracking. <laughs> I, I wonder, though, because, the, and they were talking about this, too, like, it, look, if I went up to Russell Westbrook walking down the road and poured popcorn on him, he would beat me into a hole in the ground. And you deserve it. And, oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like it's, and that's, I have a problem. I, I don't have a problem with heckling uh, an opposing player as long as you're not, you know, there are lines that you could cross, but just yelling and talking to a player, opposing player, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when anytime it can get physical, you're throwing something at them, you're spitting at them. That just is disrespectful to them as a human being. And so, you know, the players are in a tough situation because, like Marcus Smart at Ohio, at Oklahoma State, went into the stands after an angry fan, and he that really hurt his whole career. Yeah. Well, look it. at the the Ron Artest situation. In the oh, and you know, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, you know, now that this stuff is kind of happening a little bit more, you're like, yeah, I kind of get why he did that. And he was labeled a pretty bad, like he was labeled a bad guy for that. But really, I mean, what would you do if somebody threw? Uh, um, a cup of soda at you. Well, I, I don't I, think I, it's I don't think it's coincidental that this has happened as all these arenas 
all of a sudden went from having no one in them to being full. And so I think people have been pent up. Right. And so the, yeah. the worst of the worst are going to Right. Be- it's not season ticket holders. Um, but Could to be. go back to Kyrie's remarks, I actually support what he said. Um, and here's why. Because he said it before he got there. He knew he was going to get booed. And he's fine with getting booed. But um, he wanted to make sure it didn't become ra- racial racial and you know the the reason that people like myself and who live in massachusetts are sensitive to that is that that's sort of this um i don't believe that it's as true as it was 10 20 and 30 years ago i think that massachusetts and boston are um not they don't deserve the reputation they have. Now that's, that's just me. The ball bearings in Matt's head are rattling because he's shaking his head back. Right. Well, I, I, but but so anyway, but but it worked out fine in that the um, so what Kyrie was doing was just saying, hey, listen, I, I just you know sort of putting the fans on notice. So that was okay because the fans did okay. They booed him, but there was no crap going on. Yeah, Daryl, the, the reputation with Boston fans is there because they've earned it. Yeah. No. No, well, so Bill Russell, first black coach, and you know, come on. Yeah, but look at the things that Bill Russell had to to hear as a player. Here, listen to the stories he. And I'm curious, how do you feel about what Danny Ainge said? That he's never heard any of this before. Never heard any Celtics player complain. Well, Danny Ainge is a Mormon, uh, you know, whatever. But the thing is, Russell. (laughs) Yes, Russell. Russell yeah, and, a, and a lot of, but, but Russell, that was, you know, before Matt was born, that was like, that was a long time ago. Russell still supports Boston. He comes here and he's a tremendously quiet private person. Well, he's yeah, loyal you know, to his so, organization. He's not doing that because of the treatment he got from fans. I'm no, sure. He, but he, no, but he, but he also talked about it. I, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, you can't deny that this is part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't deny it. Boston fans are pretty nasty and you know it's not just a it's not just a basketball thing I remember um uh was is it Craw who's Crawford um the outfield Carl Crawford was Carl his bust of a free agent yeah. Carl Crawford um you know it, the Boston fans have earned the reputation that they have and uh, wait a minute. What, wait a minute. What about Philly and booing Santa Claus? What about the Yankees? Come on. It's not like the no Red way. Sox are the only team that has an outspoken fan base. No, but they're the worst. They are the worst. Well, yeah, yeah, I know you don't want to admit it because that hat you're wearing, but they are the worst. They're pretty Why? bad. When it comes yeah, so to- I don't. I think it's past history. But okay, I won't argue with you guys. Uh, yeah, they they have a well. I mean, that, that's that, a first. Because there, there isn't much to, to argue. I mean, the, the the stories are out there. I mean, and even reading between the lines, Kyrie Irving, he's he's a knucklehead, um, but he was all in on Boston until he he was mistreated and didn't like hearing what things that he was hearing. And then he's like, I'm out. I don't want to be part of it. You know. And I, I think I think Kyrie that's not has- why that's not why he left Boston. That he, he was not mistreated. That's not why he was in love with Kevin Durant, wanted to play with him, and he quit on the team. That he was not mistreated. Wow, wow! Daryl is still what was, his, first, what was his mistreatment? Is still in the first stage of Celtics grief. Denial. Just tell me what how it's not, it's, uh, Irving was mistreated. You're looking at it and saying, "Oh, you know, they had a, a black coach. They're not racist." Kyrie isn't saying that the team necessarily. He didn't. He 
he sees the, the Boston Celtic, the Boston fans are pretty nasty. And I, you know, you can, the, the, the stories are all over the place with fans throwing things at black athletes and saying things and, and, you know, Kyrie, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here, I'm, I'm putting thoughts into his head into, you know, he didn't want to be a part of it. He even I, came out and even right, said but that had nothing to do with racism or how he was treated. Oh, Daryl, I've, I've, I've heard things in those two arenas in the garden and in, um, what's Fenway Fenway, right. Fenway, yeah. That, that I've never heard anywhere else. Okay. And I mean, the vilest, you know, I, and I don't know, I don't know what it is about. I mean, but there's a particular breed of, of and I'm going to may alienate some of our listeners here. The Boston a-hole is a particularly distilled brand of a-hole and they have their very powerful and unique ways sometimes. I'll leave it at that. Wow. We just lost six of our eight <laughs> listeners. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you got next on your list, Joe? Because Daryl doesn't want any more of this bashing Boston. I, I want to celebrate the old man, and I know we never talk about golf, but man, did you guys yeah. watch the PGA? Phil Milk, Phil Nickus, Phil Mickelson, who's older than me. He's older than me. Yeah. He's oldest, fifty, right? Isn't he fifty? Fifty-one, I think. He's fifty-one. Old, yeah, oldest guy to win. A major tournament. He's old enough to play on the senior tour. First time that's happened. The next oldest tournament winner on the PGA was Julius Boros, who was three years, a full three years younger than Mickelson. And there are lots of athletes to be admired and vilified. I love Phil Mickelson as much as a, you know, multi millionaire can be a, a down to earth guy. He is. And he's got, you know, he's been through a lot. His wife had cancer. He's, he's a, a and he's he, any, every other golfer on the tour. They're robots. You, they have yeah, he's program. a positive individual and he's, but he, he, I feel like when they ask him a question, he gives a heartfelt answer. He's not yeah. listing his sponsors and giving the can. He's, he's a delight to hear in interviews. He's really a, a interesting personality. He's going to be an unbelievably fantastic television announcer when he's done but he may never be done if he's winning tournaments winning major tournaments at at 51 amazing no that was amazing speaking about maybe not being done the boston globe today had an article that said um belichick may be training patricia to take over as coach and i'm just wondering if this might be belichick's last year he is old and he sort of loaded the team up um, with players, That's, so it'll probably be good for a few years. I, I would, I, I don't know. I feel like this is not. I feel like they're not set up to to contend this year, and he would want to go out. Oh no, I think they're going to contend definitely. You think they're going? They're, they're, yeah, they're going to play a different kind of ball. They're going to play smash mouth football, and they're going to. They've got. They're not. They're wide receivers. They could care less about. It's going to be three yards and a cloud of dust. It's going to well, be. Have, Woody they Hayes. have seven tight ends, so that's that's good. Though they have size, and they, they you know it's no. They're going to play a, a ball control offense. I think they're going to do okay. So, Matt, are you going to put the Giants in the Super Bowl there with the Patriots? Is that what we're looking at? Daniel Jones against Daryl. I love you, Fred Jones, or whoever. That's I, I love Listen, the I beauty love of sports is being a homer. Come on now, man. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's fun to listen to. All right, yeah, the Patriots are going to be great. 
The Patriots no, are not great, but they're going to win 10 games. The Patriots are going to be the first team in NFL history to win on their bye week. Um, you know, they uh, – They I, have I don't, the bye week really I late. Think, I actually think the Patriots – Bill Belichick would be wrong in getting Matt Patricia to be his successor. I think Josh McDaniel is better suited for it. Hmm. Um, simply – I don't know if either one of them will be successful, but Patricia was the polar opposite of successful. I mean, he, that was a dumpster fire in Detroit. And part of it, you know, it's like, that's like becoming coach of the Browns, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and hearing the stories on how his former players were trolling him and like, you know, peace out. Like they had zero respect. Well, for but him. McDaniel's didn't have that much success either when he he's, coached. No, no, but and, but uh, no, I agree. McDaniel's is a genius. I love the way he calls plays. But Josh McDaniel, he did have a little success, but he also didn't seem to be hated. Again, and right. he's removed right. yeah. from the Denver Broncos. Matt Patricia, it appears that he had zero respect in that locker room. Uh, players did not want to play for him. And that's only, and he's, that's, he's one year removed from it. So if Bill Belichick is looking to have Patricia be his successor, if, if he's going to be successful, I think Belichick has to go another three, four years to wash away the stink of Detroit, in my opinion. In because three, see, that was, that was bad. In three more years, Belichick's going to be Tony LaRusso. <laughs> well, speaking of Tony LaRusso, he appears to have aged a little too much. <laughs> Yeah, he either needs a whole lot of Botox or to not have had any of the Botox he's already had. Like, or, or he needs to talk to his grandkids and understand how the world works now. He's a little out of touch. Yeah, oh, yeah, we could have a whole show on that, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Matt. Baseball. I mean, baseball is out of touch. Yeah, boy, they haven't speeded up anything, have they? They haven't, um, you know... No, I, I imagine there's going to be major changes probably in this offseason, and I hope one of them is lowering the mound. I think that'll go a long way. Last time they did that, you know, was after the 1968 season when, you know, Bob Gibson had, Bob Gibson had a 1.12 ERA. So I think, like, they're, we're back to that point where we need to disadvantage the pitchers a little bit. I think, you know, the thing that, that they could do is just officially sh- shrink the strike zone. Let's just drop the top end down to the waist and make it, you know, make it a a, a sideways box instead of a up instead of a vertical box. Let, uh, I mean, let me throw a point out there and, and get your input. I'm not going to say it one way or another. I know it's easy to say pitching has gotten too good and has become dom- dominant. Right? There have been six no hitters so far this year. So at face value, that's like, oh yeah, pitching is dominant, but of of the six no hitters, it's been three teams. Like each one of those teams have been no hit twice. So is it fair to just say the pitching is too dominant and we need to make it harder on these pitchers? Or do we need to try to get back to teaching fundamentals of hitting? 
I mean, absolutely. No, I agree with you. But the the second is going to take 60 years over three generations. The first takes takes a stroke of the pen. So, So, I mean, there's two things. One is pitchers are throwing way harder, like way harder. And Mm -hmm. it makes a difference if it's 95 or 91. It makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, though, is this stupid launch angle uh, and hitters going for home runs all the time. That's really like if you have a guy on second, hit the ground ball to second. Let the guy advance to third. Or Come if you on. got a you got a th- three way shift on bunt, what happened bunt. to bunting? Yeah. Oh God, now we all sound like old men. Like pepper. <laughs> so, all right. So we've just about finished up. Um, uh, you know, thanks for indulging my homerism. I'll try to get a, a, in control <laughs> next week. Okay. But no guarantees. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Happy yeah. Memorial Day weekend. And, yeah, uh, honestly, Daryl, I wish I could be more like you in that respect. I'm sure you're a much happier and healthier man than I am. Oh, you know, and listen, and I know it's kind of hard with your dad just dying, but I need to throw a little shout out to healthcare. I just had a, a detached retina repair immediately, like within less than 24 hours after I made the first call on a Sunday afternoon. I, it's just like. In our country, everybody deserves good health care. Hopefully, someday. Yeah, someday. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, for Thanks a lot for listening to Baker, Big D, and Sports Plus uh, Show. Sports, Joe, uh, <laughs> Sports Plus, whatever we're called, on, on uh, Valley Free Radio. And, and the uh, fundraising last week was a big, big success. So thanks a lot. See you next week. Bye.